Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we have Lachlan. Hello. Lauren. Hello. And Justin. The science of changing someone's mind is really fascinating and there's been a lot of great research being done on it. But also, what happens when research is wrong? How do we keep research on track? And what happens if we discover everything is not quite as it seems? What then? How does science stay on track and remain accurate? And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Lachlan, evolution's not real, right? Lauren, I would disagree with you, but I think that As is often the case in anything where you disagree with someone, but especially in scientific debates, it can be quite hard to actually change people's minds. Even if you produce the evidence, like we've got the evidence for climate change, it's pretty clear. Um, You find that even if you present some strong evidence, you don't always actually get people to change their minds, even after a long, long time. Sometimes they, in fact ignore it, and use it to reinforce their own positions. Hmm. This also happens in the scientific community, like, not not with the general populace, but also with researchers. Like, you can present a scientific idea, um, and people can either accept it or reject it. But sometimes, proof that you present can actually make people not only ignore that proof, but use it to reinforce their own beliefs that a certain different set of values is true. Hmm. And, you know, the whole thing we have with science is that we take the peer review approach where we actually encourage review by our peers, or peer review is, where they actually are meant to look through our results, see if they can reproduce it, and create a study that, you know, and validate what we've said or disprove what we've said. And that way is how we sort of get towards a deeper understanding of something. And that brings us to the news of today. So there was a landmark study published in December 2014 and it's had to be retracted because, in fact, through a series of investigations, it showed that whole parts of the data set that were actually presented as results were fake. And this is being retracted right as we speak. Like, the, the journal, which is published, has just put a, a note on it saying that, you know, as of, as of a couple of days ago, according to that that's just what's happened. Um, but first, let's take a couple of steps back and look at this study in the first place. So... A, a paper was published in the journal Science, which is a reasonably widely read and cited journal, so it's one of the big names, so to speak, um, which in the paper was called When Contact Changes Minds, an Experiment on Transmission of Support for Gay Equality. And it was done by two political scientists and psychologists, Michael LeCour and Donald Green from the UCLA. This study that they wrote the paper on was about trying to change people's minds and see which method was better. And they chose the specific issue of gay equality um, because of the Californian context at the time and a number of other studies that were being done there and actions that were taken. So the experimental setup for this, um, basically they, they had 22 um, gay messages, went around Los Angeles in 2013, and they were knocking on people's doors um, to give them a script about gay marriage. And you had four... Um, different scenarios. You either had the same-sex marriage um, being talked about by a gay canvasser or a straight canvasser, or you had a different script um, about recycling by either a gay canvasser or a straight canvasser. And so they set that up so there would be actually a controlled trial, right? So you'd have a control case and in the straight and the 
gay uh, messengers, but also a control case in the story they were talking about. So it wasn't just like saying one sample point. They were trying to get data points to compare against. And they were doing this in Los Angeles in 2013 because there was a major referendum on gay marriage in 2008, Proposition 8, which did not pass. And they wanted to know why and what some of the data points about that. So they were trying to investigate this. So that was, there was a lot of activity in that space, and that's what they were coming in to study. So we won't go too much into the recycling script, because this is basically just, it was a control. It was so a, yeah. it was a questionnaire, right? But the interesting bit is the same-sex marriage script. So it was the same for both the gay and the straight canvases, the people actually asking the question, with one exception, right? So after talking to the voter, building an emotional connection with them, um, halfway through the conversation, the person would either reveal that they were gay or lesbian, and then try and get, and that they'd like to get married, but they couldn't due to the laws, or the straight canvasser would just reveal that their friend or relative was gay or lesbian and were trying to get married. And so this was really interesting. So what they're actually trying to get at there was whether or not the personal connection, that response, made a difference. And not just in the initial, you know, oh, changing their mind on the spot. But the real question they wanted to ask was, can we change the long-term behaviour change? So how did they, like, how did they test that, like, a long-term change? And and this is really one of the, the most interesting parts of the study, was that they actually did a survey beforehand to gauge people's opinions, um, so to get a control starting point. And then they sent them about further follow-up surveys in a uh, three-week, six-week, and nine-month follow-up surveys. And when they had the questionnaires sent um, to them, they were on a wide variety of issues, and only 50 questions, and only two of them had to do with gay marriage. So That's wasn't... another experimental control. Correct. It's to not tip off the respondents to say, this is a survey about gay marriage, the experiment only cared about the gay marriage part, but they were protecting the experiment from tipping itself off. That's what it was about. Correct. Because they did it beforehand as well as afterwards. Afterwards, it's a bit more obvious, but you yeah. really want to make the pool <laughs> as neutral as possible at the start. And they actually got... And the other double part about this is they were also trying to measure whether or not those people that they canvassed to then became advocates to their housemates, family, and friends. So even though they only talked to 979 people, and that's what they, they got survey responses back for these additional people that they then forwarded the survey to. And so that was the apparatus set up in place behind this study. And the results were incredible. are really cool. So the survey was based on a five point scale. So basically on a scale of one to five, how strongly do you agree with gay and like queer people should have the same marriage rights as straight people? Or in the test case, whether or not we should have recycling. Yeah. Um, and what you actually found is that after the canvassing, um, once was, the people shared their connection and story, yeah, there was a 0.4 um, increase so, as soon as you've had that emotional connection, people are 0.4 more likely on a five-point scale to actually be like, yes, same-sex marriage is important. Um, and then after nine, actually increased to an effect of 0.8. And 
And what was really fascinating about that is when you compared it to the control group, and which didn't have a strong personal connection, that stayed exactly the same. It, and then it dropped off over time. So it didn't really gain you any net benefit. You got a little bit of a bump at the start and then it just decayed away. Whereas the ones with the gay messengers actually had a long-term increase, which is completely contrary to what people expected. Now, where should we go? that was what the study was published. It was published in December 2014 in Science. It got huge press. It was in all of the major media, on a lot of TV channels. It got a lot of airtime and started to guide actual political campaign decisions. Even for places like Ireland, which is having a, gay re- a referendum on a gay marriage right now, they were using this strategy um, and this study to guide their strategy. And that's within a vacuum. It has such powerful implications for society and for politics and everything like that. So the study, the bulk of the work was done by Michael LeCour from UCLA. And he actually, to encourage people to actually do the survey, he paid them $10 upon uh, initial enrollment. And when they referred people, they got an additional $2, which is a standard metric. And in total, they ended up with 9,500 people um, who took the survey and had the advocation done towards them and they had a really large data sample set so they could be people who tried to find an effect like this they went through 900 papers couldn't find anything you know um similar and so they published away and was widely accepted now this is a real as i say a real groundbreaking study and an important part of science is that you go and do peer review and so that's exactly what pe- two researchers from UC, UC Berkeley and Stanford, what Lecour had actually done. Why, why do people do replicate studies, Justin? What's the point of that? Replicate studies are important because that's how we make sure it's not something that's a localised effect. Maybe something to do with that specific neighbourhood in Los Angeles. Maybe something to do with those questionnaires or those messengers. Maybe those messengers are really fantastic compared to some other ones who are a bit more averages. That's why replication studies are really, really important because we actually can prove that it's more believable because somebody else has done and undertaken the same experiment in a different spot, in a different location, with different methods, and still got the same result. When they did replicate it, did you get the same results? Well, well, they hit a really big stumbling block. They couldn't get anywhere near the same amount of respondents as Lacour did in his survey. This is the initial canvassing survey. In Lacour's study, he got about 9,500 respondents to the survey, and they talked to 950 of them. The replication study only managed to get a quarter of respondents, which is a big difference. They tried to figure out what they were doing wrong. They thought maybe they stuffed up the method. So they contacted Lecour and got the name of the survey company he used to conduct that research. The replication researchers then contacted this firm, but the firm claimed no knowledge or records of having done that work. In fact, they they weren't even confident that they'd be able to do the same things that Lecour claimed that they could do. They really thought that they couldn't probably replicate the same results that Lacour had. So at this point, the researchers from UC Berkeley and Stanford were starting to get worried because things weren't adding up. Obviously now they hadn't conducted the actual interviews, but they weren't getting past the first step. So they started to look at the data and they dug a bit further. And so the raw data wasn't available, but they looked at the data of the report itself. Is that right? They looked at the data to see if it made sense. In fact, it did make sense. Made too much sense. In fact, it was so perfect, there were no anomalies, and it almost perfectly fit a normal distribution out of a thousand respondents. There was no meaningful deviations. That's an obvious tip-off. At this point, the two researchers from UCLA and Berkeley, Brookman and Stewart, contacted Professor Green, the one, the professor who was a caller from the paper, 
and asked him, can you explain this? Can you help us understand what we're missing? Because something is clearly up. They can't contact the firm. They can't get the same level of respondents. And Donald Green's gone, well, this is something that's clearly an issue. Now, we haven't had a formal response from Mr. Lacour just at this point. However, Professor Green has issued a, ret- a note which will list that perhaps this will be retracted soon, and it will probably be retracted very soon. So that appears as a note on the paper side already. Now, this is big. This is also a big paper that got a lot of press and a lot of publicity, and now this paper is likely to be retracted very shortly. <laughs> Well, the results are obviously fake. The results were fake. They're definitely not true because they don't appear to have happened. And it looks like there might even be suspects some fraud in terms of the results if the surveys weren't actually done by the company that they were claimed to be. Then it means the service probably wasn't even conducted itself. Now, the overall hypothesis behind whether or not a personal connection will improve the retention of a change in opinion, then that likely might be true. And that's what the study being done by UC Berkeley and Stanford, that's still going ahead. Now, they're not going to have the same large data set as Lacour's study did, but they will be investigated by those researchers. So there may be an impact there, but it may not just be the one-point jump that Lacour originally claimed in his initial publication. So what does this mean, Justin? Is it partially question the data more? Should we be having independent scientific invigilators making sure that the research is being actually done what can we do to avoid this well and that's where the onus really falls on a lot of people and this one had a lot of good experimental protocol in it the only the thing that seems to be really let down is the quality control to actually validate the data that was collected um so maybe perhaps it could be more worked as that it was um the the paper that was being when they reviewed the paper a thing a proper review um, by even as such a prestigious journalist science. The guard mechanism of peer review and replication has actually ca- caught this one. So the replication lifecycle did happen and this helped us learn how we go from a scientific story, a great news story, and actually validate that, make sure we do a reproductive study to ensure that someone else can get the same results. How often does this happen like in scientific community? Unfortunately, replication studies aren't done anywhere near as much as they could be. Why? Why is that? Is that because it's not exciting to be exciting experiment someone else has done? Well, that could be part of the problem, and also because there's not a lot of money from grants and from government bodies to actually do replication studies. And science, the journals themselves, they're not only, they're only going to publish articles that have merit or seem interesting and exciting. If you're submitting a thousand papers, you're going to pick ten out of them to publish. Okay, you want to pick the ones that are interesting and exciting, not necessarily the ones that are just proving something you already know. And the one that gives you new results is going to be the most interesting. Correct, which means a lot of the time errors can remain unpicked up for a very long period of time. Now, fortunately, we, that was caught pretty quickly in about four months, so it's a good example of the complete life cycle being done, but it just goes to show the importance of having the proper and rigorous scientific assessment, including peer review, oversight from journals, and replication studies. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Meta-science is a quite an important field of research because it keeps us on track and makes sure the scientific method is working. That means we may need more reproducibility studies and to rethink the way in which we're conducting our experiments. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. Mm-hmm.